0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, today is March 16th, 2023, and this is another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Get some housekeeping uh, out of the way, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into the good stuff. So, uh, MSPinitiative.com, this and every other session we've ever recorded will be under sessions. By the way, check out the new website, nice and pretty. Uh, we have our Community Minds event coming up in Denver later on this year in August, we're bringing industry experts from around the sandbox to try and do more than PowerPoint you. I'm going to go into workshops and actually hope that you learn something because we're going to get past you taking notes and actually do something. Our next block party is actually next week in the UK. Finally take our, uh, our operation back overseas. Uh, so if you're going uh, there's a couple of events next week, there's it nation London. I think SuperOps has a summit next week as well. Uh, so we uh, rented out an entire nightclub, which, in the heart of London is not cheap, but hey, no problem. Come on down, register. Uh, We're gonna make it worth your while. We're gonna make sure we have a good time. So uh, go to mspblockparty.com if you're in the area, register and come on down. So we also have our community offers. So uh, I think we have two or three more coming on here, uh, but effectively vendors from around the industry giving us special offers uh, and uh, for the community. And then lastly is our industry calendar. Uh, where we try and keep track of what's going on out there for you Uh, and if people want to add some events that aren't in the list feel free to submit your event here so that is all of the quick housekeeping welcome everyone it is a thursday we've got one more day until uh until the weekend here friday uh right before we came on jason was like hey why aren't you taking a day off and watching the ncaa tournament yeah i don't got a dog in the fight so uh and, I, and I'm not, you know, like I know all the bracket people out there, trust me, there's like everybody um, never got into it. I know, like I did it once or twice and I was like, man, this is like serious following. Right. But uh, I digress. What I am following is NFL free agency. I mean, Jason, we're joking about, um, hey, if I can get back to the Super Bowl, right? Because like, you know, I got defrauded with my fake field and my fake referees. Uh, but then he reminded me that I actually won a Super Bowl, <laughs> which is true, uh, back in 2017. And uh, Jason's a Buffalo guy, uh, and I, I thought it was going to be Buffalo Eagles this year, but uh, didn't work out that way. And uh, but we forget, you know, kind of before you know my my primetime NFL fandom hood here, you guys went to the Super Bowl four times in a row. Did I get that right? And uh,
1: right, you are <laughs> yeah, you are like, making just, me feel old now, George. If that was before your prime time watching the NFL. It today. was,
0: it was, but, uh, four, four years in a row, man, that has to sting. Um, I would be crying to be honest with you if I, I can walk away with one, but anyway, um, all I know is football fields shouldn't have to cost $800,000. And if they do, I would think they would be good. Not bad, but I digress. I'm not going to go down that road. You already know my feelings. If you follow me pretty vocal about it, Just Google sodgate. So anyway. You're not bitter.
1: I just want to be clear. You're not bitter anymore. You're past this. You're you're thinking ahead to next year,
0: right? Sure.
1: Yeah, I can tell. Uh, I can tell.
0: <laughs> you no, know, it's it's a tough business. It really is. Uh, anyway, so welcome to the show again, Jason Bystrock from D and H. You know, Jason, I I you know follow all the. I'm sure somebody from your team does too, right? The Discords and the Reddits and the link and the LinkedIn's and the Slacks and the I don't know, Facebook groups. I mean, just a little bit everywhere. Um, I guess we're like officially one year into Microsoft NCE. I hate to even bring up those three letters because it brings people such migraines. But uh, obviously converting into that new program that Microsoft kind of forced the agenda last year, you know, maybe wasn't the smoothest process. Hearing on the renewals, like the one year anniversary, maybe some problems. What are you seeing out there?
1: That's a great question, George. And yeah, it's been almost exactly a year since NCE was introduced. Uh, we've spent a lot of time helping you know thousands of MSPs really navigate that, right? Um, I think it's really important that you not only you understand the rules, but you're also working with an operational system or a cloud platform that helps you administer those. That's how you protect yourself, to make sure that people aren't making changes that can impact your financial liability, right? We're still going to do that. But uh, we are seeing the renewal process be fairly smooth, to be honest with you. Um, You know, really, it's, it's, you know, most partners that we work with still elect to have the month-to-month billing cycle. So it's really a matter of, can you go and cancel that service, right? There's a window where you can, but that doesn't happen very often. So, yeah, it's been kind of smooth sailing. But uh, I I think everyone's learned a lot about the program over the last year. And I I think one of the big things is really being able to administer it easily and, and make adjustments to it. You know, and even along with that, we've seen also um, a lot more focus with Microsoft Azure. Like if you if you talk to Microsoft, that's where they're putting a lot of their emphasis these days, a lot of the incentives for the MSPs out there. Uh, and we've been spending a lot of time helping partners capture that opportunity. And uh, with, with Azure, there's definitely, you, we've seen an increase overall in security breaches, um, you know, people, uh, you know, yeah, bad actors coming in and taking over and spinning up environments you know, for, for the wrong purposes, let's say, um, you know, again, I think it's important to have a platform that can administer that and set thresholds and limits and alerts and things like that. And, you know, fortunately we, we have that and we've, we've helped a lot of partners. I, I, I
0: was just, I think I just read something somewhere. I got to think about where I ran into it. Maybe even stumbled into my mailbox that I guess Microsoft isn't going to give you unlimited credit when you run into one of these security situations and somebody racks up a bill on your account. And then all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> they're yeah. not going to cover that forever,
1: right? Well, to be honest with you, that the liability transfers downstream through the channel. So as, a, as a, you know, a an indirect CSP, they call it, or a distributor, right? In other words, um, you know, we're on the hook, right? It flows down to you when you're on the hook for that. And Microsoft doesn't backstop that, right? So you need to make sure that you have uh, you know, the appropriate security protocols, thresholds, right? you could, like with our platform, for example, you can set a credit limit where it'll shut down at a certain amount. So a lot of MSPs like that because it protects them. And frankly, it protects us downstream as well. So you know, that's big. Yeah, key. nobody wants
0: the $100,000 surprise invoice, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the other big thing on Microsoft is that there's, uh, you know, big changes happen to their partner programs, as is, is, is most folks, I think, are aware. Uh, you know, and there's, there's, whenever there's change, there's confusion, but there's also opportunity. And uh, we've spent a lot of time helping partners understand how to go get certified for the new programs, how to optimize the, the backend rebates, incentives that they can earn. Uh, so a, a lot of good, um, good things coming out of those dialogues too.
0: Are they still have, you know, unless it's changed, it's been a while since I looked, but they, when they first announced it, they said that there's like a, like you have to reach a 70 out of hundred score, depending on whatever category you choose as your like competency. Is that still the case or did they kind of change the rules already?
1: No, I, I, I think you're spot on there, right? They move from having kind of the, the classic medallion, you know, gold level partners, what have you, right, to more of a, a specialization area around different technologies. And there are scores and, and customer satisfaction ratios that go with it. You know, one of the real common things we're seeing in Microsoft, I think, is always a little bit ahead of some of the other vendors. But with Cisco, with Microsoft, with HPE, we're starting to see the, uh, the you know, the CX or customer experience uh, programs come into play where you know, you think about it with these solutions now, they really want MSPs to go out and land the, the the solution, right? Get them aligned, but then really have kind of a post-sales sales model where you're helping to drive adoption of, of product features, expansion into other parts, you know, to monetize that stack, uh, you know, renewals and maintenance of that. And they're willing to pay MSPs to do that. So there's a lot of incentives to be had from not just Microsoft, but hmm. Cisco is huge into that too. And you know, I
0: don't think MSPs that. know about all the incentive programs. I'm going to be honest with you,
1: no. I mean, just thinking about Cisco for a moment. You know, we we just launched what we call it's, it's a new program we have called Driven okay. that helps MSPs based on their maturity level or or journey through the Cisco ecosystem. And I tell you, we we have not a day goes by that we don't have kind of an internal celebration email right with a partner that we just you know, helped uncover like, wow, you can make another $50,000 a year on, uh, you know, by doing this. Right. Wow. And uh, in, in some cases, like with Cisco, you can literally just click and say, I'm an MSP and you can earn like another 8%, uh, on uh, a lot of your different products. So we're just going and helping, Hey, let's log in and click the box together and unlock that that cash. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that sounds yeah. like it's just money sitting there.
1: It it kind of is right. It's uh. But I don't, I don't blame the MSPs. It's so hard to keep track of all of these partner programs. You know, I've, I've heard for years about like everyone's looking for the magic bullet. Right. And there just isn't one. It's about who you're working with to support your business and kind of consult with you on that. You know, so uh, we we take pride in doing that. And that's our favorite part of the job.
0: Yeah. No. Hey, listen, free money. Sign me up. Yep. I think everybody will take that. I mean, last call, we kind of jumped into current events a little bit. It's worth bringing it up now. Um the market that we thought might be bumpy in 23 seems to have finally showed up, right? Interest rates keep going up. Banks. I don't know, depending on who you're working with, you might be worried. There's like a list of 30 of them now. It's all over within the last week. Um, How did like, how are you handling credit terms and helping MSPs kind of like, you know, finance things out, especially if their customer needs, you know, a net 30 or 45 or something like that to pay them back. Like, Uh, You know, you guys have had some pretty creative programs throughout the years. Now seems like a pretty critical time, right? So cash flow is king. And I think people want to, you know, make sure that they're not over-leveraging themselves.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, certainly we're seeing, you know, growth challenges in certain areas, right? Like, especially the endpoint or client side of the business is probably, you know, most analysts are predicting that down, right? Um, you know, I think that a lot of the security, the data center side, we're still seeing pretty robust growth in those areas. And when it comes to financing and credit, we, we haven't stepped back, we've stepped forward. You know, we've actually increased the amount of downstream, you know, credit on net 30, you know, lines and things like that that we've put in place. Uh, we do have two pretty neat programs. One's called the ACE program, which is a way that an MSP can actually finance it based on the strength of the end user uh, okay. we could do that deal a little bit separately and um, uh, keep it off of their, their credit line, but still finance the whole deal for them. So it, it helps with that.
0: that. That sounds good. Cause yeah. let's face it as an MSP, I've seen fairly nimble MSP service, larger customers that have way more buying power than they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't want to tie up your, your working capital, right? So, so we kind of set that aside and do that as a separate program. We've seen that increase. And then Lastly, our X is a service, or everything as a service program. You know that's really where we take hardware and we bundle it in with with you know your managed services as an MSP, uh, along with uh, any any support, warranty, and, and software and cloud and things like that to go with it into one deal. And we pay the MSP upfront for that deal, and then finance it in a monthly payment model. Uh, we even um, we have a really cool configuration tool that we give for free to partners to actually put proposals and quotes together and get instant. Pricing. So you could say, do mm-hmm. I want a two or three or four year, you know, deal with this, you know, wrap everything into the bomb? Um, you know, and, so, and so, quickly so, get the pricing.
0: Let me let me just make sure I heard you right. So let's say the customer buys a bunch of gear and then you sell them a <clears throat> three-year man of services agreement. You bake that into the quote, and then DNH is gonna front the whole three years back to the MSP upfront one shot.
1: Yeah, that's one of the options. I mean, there's depends how you want to do it. But there's options to have your services financed up front. You know, certainly the hardware is one that most MSPs want to get paid for up front for the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we, we sit down and we have different flexible options based on how you want to do it.
0: Sounds like it's a it's a it's a Swiss army knife that could change the game, right? Because cash flow, again, is the hard part of this business. I would think that, you know, Depending on the business, they may they would probably be, some people could benefit from getting all of that money up front and then managing it, you know, kind of intelligently to make sure that it's there as time goes on. Um, that's cool. I like that program a lot, actually. Yeah,
1: we're we're seeing, I mean, a lot of the 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 vendors, like especially in the client side of the business, is most prevalent, right? We can do it anywhere, but client. So Lenovo, um, you know, Microsoft Surface and HPI, they actually have a custom version of that configuration and quoting tool that i just mentioned Mm. you know that we we give you that help put the bombs together we can do it with any vendor but those three are really stepping up and actually providing some special resources and incentives for partners that want to go that route
0: have you have you seen the supply chain stuff's finally settle down i know for a long time there was lead time on even simple things like monitors like is that all pretty cleared up at this point
1: yeah, not perfect, but much better. Um, you know, I think on the device side, bonus things like that, we're seeing really well. There's still some backlog in some of the networking products that are out there, it seems. Uh, but that seems to be clearing up. We're not hearing it nearly as much as we did a year ago.
0: That's good. I'm glad to hear that because that was. I still remember people that were waiting six, eight, nine, twelve 12 months. I remember one time somebody's like, yeah, I got a quote. And they told me it would be 14 months before we could see it. And I was like, uh, wow, okay, that's great.
1: <laughs> Typically nowhere near that bad anymore, yeah. That's good, that's good.
0: It, it's definitely, you know, everybody's surely leaning towards everything as a subscription. There's no question about it. Are you doing anything around, like billing reconciliation you know, on subscription-based services for the MSPs, or like how does that work with like reoccurring things like Microsoft?
1: Yeah, so it's funny we call it the DH Cloud Marketplace, but to me, it, you could relabel it the subscription marketplace, the consumption marketplace, whatever you want. Right. Essentially, the way it works is we've got a suite of products. You know, Microsoft mentions a big one. We just launched uh, a ton of new Cisco products. We're the only one with the the MSP program called MSLA through there, for example. So those are all kind of API driven and automated, but our platform is such that you can actually add in your own managed services as an MSP, uh, you can add hardware bundles and things like that if you want. And then you control the purchasing provisioning subscription management and invoicing through a single platform, right, sure. even for your own services like I mentioned. And then we integrate that into for invoicing purposes into a lot of the PSA tools like Connectwise or you know data auto So. Um, you know, to make it really easy to automate everything. So we have a lot of partners that like that because uh, from what I've seen, it's the only marketplace platform where you can add your own services to it, not just the third-party ones. And uh, if that helps the partners bundle in Microsoft with a support service or, you know, your remote monitoring service, whatever, we love, uh, love being able to support that on one platform for you.
0: That's cool. Um, <clears throat> is there any entry point to actually, like, get into that platform? Do you have to sign up? Is there a minimum? Like how does that, how does that work from, from a like model standpoint?
1: Yeah, it's real simple. We, you know, basically we give you credentials. You just accept the master services agreement it's called. It's pretty straightforward stuff. We don't see a lot of friction there. And then we give you credentials and then you can set up your end customers. Um, You can, you know, manage on their behalf, or you can even extend credentials downstream to them if you want them to self-manage put your own logos on it and brand it. Right. We don't charge for any of that type of stuff. So the minimum, I guess, is one, right. You got to have one customer, I guess, but, uh, (laughs) but there's no charge to use any of that. we got a whole team that helps with it. That's
0: good. Well, yeah, I, I love when we say that it's like, yeah, if you don't have an active subscription, I guess it doesn't work for you. Got
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) You can still have it. It's just, uh, it's not going to do a lot for you. Right.
0: Yeah, no, totally get it. Uh, You know, I don't, you know, I know you guys work with, you know, like, Cool tools out there like Nerdio, I think you guys work with, and a bunch of other tools. I know they just had a pretty cool conference down in Mexico uh, a few weeks back. Um, we're starting to see the advent of all of these like kind of super tools, right? And they, they would I would categorize them as one where like effectively instead of managing individual services like Azure by itself, or you know, or or some of the other tools, right? Like they can bring that together and like automate the process. Are you seeing adoption of that type of stuff? Or like are people still doing like one by one? Are they going on by their own?
1: No, I absolutely see an adoption. You know, the the way that we approach MSPs when we we like to think of ourselves as consultants, and we have what we call the AIM model. Whenever we work with you on an opportunity, it stands for assess, implement, manage. So what we say is that for every you know product solution, if you will. There's an assessment service, an implementation service, a management service. And our approach is to say, okay, you know, who's gonna do the assessment? Is this something you've got the skills and capacity to do? You know, is your end user's IT department gonna do it or do you want us to lean in and help you, right? Then we go to the AI and we say, okay, how are you gonna implement this? Here's here's the types of things you need to do. You need to, I don't know, maybe you're talking about a wireless access point. You gotta hang this, you gotta load the software, you gotta set the network are you going to do it? Do you have the skills, your end user or us? And then the management part, same thing. We say, you know, are, are you going to manage it? Do you want us to help you manage that? So we'll either consult, and if you say, we're going to do it, we go, great, here's the tool set we're seeing people use, like a Nerdio, like a ConnectWise, whatever. We've got a whole suite of software tools. You know, we'll, we'll help make sure if you don't have it, that we'll get you access to that tool to use, right? And uh, And if you're like, well, look, that's not something I'm going to do regularly. It's just not a skill set or it's not that important to me. It's just a one-off. Great. Do you want us to come in and do it for you? We'll just tell you, we'll just quote you a service. You add margin and you sell our white label service with your name on it. So So you
0: have an implementation engineering team that'll actually do projects?
1: Spot on. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty wide portfolio we can cover. I mean, we don't do everything, but- I'm really excited about the growing portfolio of uh, assessment, implementation, and management services we can do. Yeah, you know, just uh, We haven't even announced some of the new stuff yet, but we're rolling out uh, an enhanced uh, help desk uh, offering that we're really excited about where, you know, like some MSPs are like, look, I only got one customer I have to do overnights for, and I don't want to staff someone. So we could take that on just the overnight for it if you want. or. Maybe you're like, look, I want you just to do my level one calls and, and we'll do all the level twos. You just push it back to us through our ConnectWise instance or our data instance. No problem. We can do that for you. Hmm. So, you know, we're trying to supplement, um, you know, MSP services where they want us to.
0: Wow. I did not know that you ex- like actually built out a team to do that or, and like, quite frankly, the help desk services, I mean, that's new, right? I know a lot of companies out there have offered that over the years, but um. I mean, there's no lack of MSPs out there that don't run twenty four seven. I mean, let's be honest, most don't uh, unless you get your at a large enough point. That's interesting. I didn't know that you guys rolled that out. What about like, so you know, you talked about access points. You talked about the help desk overnight or whatever you know permutation of that is. And then obviously, there's no lack of cloud projects or m three six five or stuff like that. Are you doing that type of implementation as well?
1: Yeah, the most common services where we're asked to kind of lean in with the, the MSPs would be, uh, certainly with Microsoft doing uh, assessments for things like Azure and migrations, right? Or even M365 migrations, we do a lot of that. Uh, we actually do an awful lot of, you know, pre-shipment integration services. So we're certified for Microsoft Autopilot or Google Zero Touch. Ooh. So we'll often help deploy devices and, and even do things like asset tagging, laser etching, software loads, whatever, you know, before you and then drop ship it to your end client for you. So it's kind of there and ready to be set up. We do a lot of pro AV uh, installations, like, you know, everything from hanging the TVs to setting up the conference rooms. That seems to be one that a lot of people want to have us, uh, you know, take on and do that type of work. So those are probably some of the most common ones that we see, but it's a pretty, you know, there's a probably a couple dozen different types of services we do get involved with.
0: Cool. No, that's good to know. I mean, there's no lack of conversation about, and we talked about it last time and I'm going to keep on bringing it up because- it just comes up in every other conversation. Security, security, security. Obviously, you have the Cisco you know, platform, which is cool, right? They have a lot of security services that MSPs use, right? Uh, Duo and uh, Umbrella and a bunch of other stuff. But are you seeing like a base bundle? Are you recommending like a base package of products to like at least have like a minimum tier, right? So like people aren't just... Still going old school, saying, "Oh yeah, I put some sort of endpoint software on. We're good." Obviously, there's not any one level of super product that's the silver bullet. But you know, what are you what are you recommending as like the floor, if you would, from a security standpoint?
1: Yeah, we have got a team. Um, you can email at dnh.com and get you to that security consulting team. But you know, there's a couple of different answers. Everyone's got their own flavors about how they want to approach it. But you know, one of the examples I like is that with Cisco, you mentioned we've got a, a SASE solution which bundles together a number of their different products, uh, you know, becomes kind of a more comprehensive solution. We're also seeing a fair amount of success with um, you know, whether you prefer Sophos or SonicWall kind of as your base firewall, but they have the complementary uh, aspects to wrap around that as well to handle a wider part of the security. And, and as you know, George, security' is all about doing it in layers, right? There's like a checklist of do I have all these layers covered? And, and you know our team works pretty close to a lot of uh, MSPs or MSSPs, if you will to to help uh, you know make those decisions and give you kind of the pros and cons. And again, it's like if you want to do the, you know have the end user do it, we'll get you the products. If you want to do it as an MSP, we've got most of those available in a licensing program that kind of is monthly to fit your you know your your programs. And um if you want us to step in and do some of the services, we do have those capabilities too.
0: Yeah, it's it's such an open and growing conversation because every day there's a new thing, right? <laughs> I feel like um, but like sometimes the low-hanging fruit just goes unchecked for so long, and that's where people get hit when they're yeah. not expecting it, right? So we were just
1: at a IDC conference a little while, a couple maybe six weeks ago, and They talked about security is absolutely, you mentioned about growth areas earlier in the economy, right? Security is one that is being prioritized for spend and will grow, right? So if you're looking for a growth area, leading with security is a great place to look.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, we've talked to a few people recently about risk versus reward, right? And I think MSPs are starting to wake up to the reality that not every customer is a good customer. I know we have probably heard that line forever, but like more now than ever, it's, Do I want to take on the liability of what this customer's actual line of business is and whatever they need to do in order to do what their regular business product is or service versus what the MSP then becomes liable for by then servicing that customer? I know a bunch of smart people have already come out and said, "Hey, the White House has put out this new cybersecurity like guidance and like they're effectively forcing the liability to the service provider, not the end user who's ultimately the consu- you know the consumer of the technology that they're then using to run their business." Kind of change you know, like flips the script a little bit, right? <laughs> I mean, um I'm curious to see and, and and maybe this is just me, you know, talking out loud, but I'm curious to see if um somebody somewhere, whether it's a bunch of, you know, kind of tools or whether it's the insurance industry might come out with a scoring system, right. To figure out like, you know, almost like a credit score, right? Like this is the level of things that are, you're responsible for based on the customers, you know, and you know, vertical, right. Whether it's finance, whether it's a government contractor, whether it's a hospital or a medical office or whatever, right. Like, I almost feel like you can't just go in and just start doing stuff even a la carte now because of all of the hooks.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, um, you know, we're you know, I, I love when 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 partners are bold and are willing to like go in and, and be a bit dramatic and have someone sign a, a waiver, right? Like, okay, you don't want to back this up, you don't want this security, sign this, so I'm off the hook. Whether it's legal or not, it's a different story, right? That's but right. Um, you know, in answer to your checklist piece, uh, you know, just this this past week, CompTIA just issued a cybersecurity trust mark that is is pretty neat we can go kind of get certified uh you know be compliant with that and then then hang that trust mark logo out there on your shingle right to kind of show your partners that you know how seriously you take security and that you've got a different approach so hmm. you know encourage folks to maybe check that out i we're big comptia supporters and love love what that organization does
0: yeah i literally i think they just sent the blast email about it maybe a day or two ago Yep. and it, it's i'm gonna be honest with you right i'm not as that I'm an outsider to Comptia. You're definitely heavily involved in it. It's maybe one of the first things they've done in a long time that's like moving towards an outcome, right? Meaning like, if you have if their third-party kind of cybersecurity program audit and you know pro, you know process actually gets you this you know accreditation, right? And then I think they said you can take that accreditation and then other people will recognize it. Right. You know, with, you know, within the, whether it's insurance industry or audit, you know, you can actually use it towards like a SOC two or other cybersecurity audits. Cause like it, th- that level of work you have to do for the trust mark goes towards that. I mean, it's actually something that's like you a tangible thing. Right. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, think about, you know, when they started with what the, the A plus plus certification accounts here, right? Like you wouldn't hire someone that didn't have that. And now they're into some different trust marks. So yeah definitely check them out. I think if you're looking to differentiate a bit and uh, provide some more credibility for your business,
0: yeah, for sure. and like they literally just sent guidance out on that. I think um Tom Watson, who we had on last episode, said Wayne Selk, I think is the name of the individual that like is spearheading that program.
1: I think that's right and yeah, yeah. I love Tom Watson. we used to work together at Axion back in the day, so uh yeah, it's been him in a while. good to hear that small,
0: it's a, it, I always tell people like, this is a small sandbox, right? Like sometimes people don't play nice in the sandbox. Sometimes they do, but you know, like everybody kind of knows who's, who's, you know, who's playing right. And who's not. So, uh, it's good to see people land in, uh, in good places. Yeah. Tom's at a company, a new company called compliance risk. Uh, so that's his new, uh, that's his current, uh, venture right now. So, um, is there any concern from your side, because you're more tied in and closer to a lot of vendors, you mentioned Axiant, you know, a good company, a lot of these companies have PE and VC money. And now we know that the banking industry that feeds into the markets and that type of stuff, and insurance is tied into that a little bit, and like these VC and PE companies are absolutely tied into it a little bit. Like, are you concerned that any of these venture backed vendors are going to be in a pickle this year because of what? know what's kind of happening on the financial markets
1: well that's a good question george i mean you know i I don't i don't claim to know the answer or anybody really does but i mean from everything i see and read you know unless you've got just a massive amount of money tucked into these things right there's these are backed and insured things right if you're sitting there with with deposits from from what i've seen and understand and also in my mind too I, i can't imagine the federal government letting uh Letting this thing slip through the cracks and take down the economy. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, no matter what your politics, I think the government does tend to step in and make sure that we've got a fair playing field out there. Right. So uh, no, I don't. So the answer to your question, I don't worry a lot about it. There could be some blips and some noise for a little while we we'll work through it, but I think we'll come out the other end. Okay.
0: Cool. What are you, what are you hearing about? Are you seeing service providers and MSPs adopting or aligning their terms of service with the vendor's terms of service, meaning like the vendors enforcing uh, like a one year, two year, three year, and the MSP may be misaligned, right? Are they doing it as a one-off or are they actually changing their terms to kind of co-align with how the vendors are selling their services?
1: We've seen a different variety, George. I mean, I I think it depends on the MSP obviously, but, I think the most common thing I'm seeing is that there's, and I hate to say it, but sometimes separating their services from these third-party vendors like a Microsoft, let's say, right? So yeah, our services are month to month, but NCE you got to sign up for a year. In my mind, I would try to wrap those together you know, to benefit you as much as possible as an MSP to make these things co-term and things like that and bundle as much as you can. I think that that helps command more margin, the more that you can integrate those things and along with the terms with it. And, you know, I mean, you're, you're a bigger expert in MSPs than, than I'll ever be, right? But yeah, everything I always hear is, is, you know, the more you can get, you know, one year or multi-year terms with your managed services, the better. So really, it's almost Microsoft following some of the MSP uh, terms and conditions versus the other way around, right? Uh, I think best practice is to lock people in for time periods like that.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely a spectrum of opinions, right? Depending on where you sit and maybe the size of your company. Um, But yeah, I understand what you're saying, meaning that, hey, listen, if you know that you have money coming in for a set period of time, you can make decisions in your company based off of that, right? Hiring decisions, spending decisions, growth decisions. Um, Yeah, that's definitely part of the puzzle for sure. Um, I'm definitely seeing a trend where we we talked in the past how easy it was to start an an IT services company, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it's harder today? Like if I'm an internal IT, let's say I got cut because like, you know, my company's downsizing. I decide, you know, I'm going to start an IT services company today. Do you think it's easier today or harder today?
1: I think it's harder, um, you know, for a couple of reasons in my mind, right? I mean, number one is the the competition now, right? This isn't a new business model, right? and, And there's a lot more out there with that. Second is, you know, the MSP is to my mind, the new channel partner, right? People I talk to vendors all the time and they all want MSPs, right? They don't want any more bars, right? I I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but, but the, that model is what's becoming predominant, which means as an MSP, you've got to have, you know, some kind of track record to get access to capital and credit lines and things like that to be able to support, not just your own services, Because most people want the MSP to provide the the products as well to go with it, right? The days of just saying, all I do is the services, you take care of the products. Those are kind of gone. So I think it becomes more sophisticated and complex, uh, you know, for those reasons.
0: Hmm. It's it's definitely interesting, right? Like there's more service providers that service the MSP industry than a decade ago, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good. I think the challenge is as somebody who's coming from a technology field, you know, like man, like now you're almost turning into a project management and like a vendor management person more than maybe just I'm really skilled in a particular, you know, server technology or Microsoft or whatever, you know, because, you know, I have seen very successful one, two, three, four, let's call it five and below man MSPs have 30 or 40 vendors and like service, a couple hundred accounts with not a lot of people because they have the backend vendors behind them to scale it. But it does take a lot of management of those vendors in order to deliver like a cohesive solution, right? Like a good outcome. Are you seeing the skill set requirements that like if I'm going out to look for someone, like maybe the person that's super organized is not the same super superman tech that I needed, you know, to obviously deliver service, you know help desk services, service delivery, stuff like that. I mean, obviously, the employment market's a little bit different in 2023 than it was in 2021 or 2022. Probably more people out there at the moment than there were before. But does the type of person that an MSP goes to hire because of that scenario change?
1: Yeah, I think it does. I mean, you know, again, I think the theme is that MSPs are being asked or demanded to take on a larger part of the environment. It's not just you know, some, you know, help desk and remote monitoring, and I'll, I'll keep this up and running, you know, and I think they're becoming more and more the quarterback of the whole IT environment for their customers, right? And, and in order to deliver on those things, I think it's, it's, it's their own services, plus all these cloud vendors and that. And now I just talked about how like Cisco and HP and others are moving into this CX model, you're required to do that. And I think successful MSPs are, are finding ways to do shared service delivery by coordinating third-party providers as well. Like in some cases, you know, outsourcing some of the help desk, outsourcing some of the NOC, the SOC, you know, different services like that. And the good news is that there's a, a wider variety of shared service providers that they can partner with coming up, but then it becomes kind of a relationship management, looking at operational integrations to make sure that, you know, all the processes can flow, you know, up, you know, not just the the operations to support the services, but then also the financial back office operations actually bill and manage all that. So it's complex. And I think, you know, you're putting together a roadmap of all that spaghetti and figuring out how you're going to deliver services and trying to put it in a box is what is what successful MSPs are doing.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It sounds easy on the surface, but it's definitely some, some deep digging in a lot of these categories to make sure you have it right. And to make sure you're not leaking oil. What I mean by that is, you're buying services and then you're not properly billing or up to date on like the quantities and the usage. And then all of a sudden you turned out to be upside down on the whole thing.
1: Well, selfishly as a distributor, right. Every couple of years we keep hearing how we're, we're dead and we're going to go away. But, you know, honestly, that's the role that we kind of play is aggregating those, helping with those choices, right. Is we don't make a choice for you, we show you the options and you pick it out. But then also the, the ongoing role of being able to handle, like, the contracting, the operations, uh, and, and really the cash flow, right? I mean, being able to aggregate and time that stuff so you get one invoice from a, a distributor, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and then can re-invoice your customer properly. That might be the most basic and important role that we play in the, the MSP and cloud world like that.
0: Yeah, I, I probably tend to agree because there's just a lot of vendors out there, and if you can't properly manage them at scale, then it almost... Becomes anti growth. <laughs> it's the best way to say it because, like, it's just overwhelming at that point.
1: Yeah, where you tie up resources trying to manage it yourself and cash to do it. I mean, think about a Microsoft invoices you on the fifth, and then, you know, this vendor for your help desk on the ninth, and this one on the 12th. This you really get one invoice to your customer. So you're playing bank by, you know, doing floats. And sometimes you make out, sometimes you lose. So having somebody to put that all together and give you a single invoice is really important. 100%. So where do you see all
0: of this going, right? Cause, well, here's what I mean by that. We're constantly hearing about at the top end, like uh, a, a VC or a PE coming into an MSP, making them like they're, you know, I guess they call it a platform company and they start acquiring, right? And like that's happening at the top end. I think I met a guy uh, a couple of events ago that said he handles M&A for his group. And he said, there's about 25 MSPs in the US of that ilk, right? That are... Venture backed, have all the money, you know, going out there with the bags and just, you know, kind of roping people up. And then you still have vendors who have somehow turned into service providers. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Maybe they don't go down all the way to very small companies, but they're, you know, maybe managing companies that, you know, kind of on the edge, right? Of what, you know, SMB, you know, means. And then ultimately, like, is the industry like consolidating to the point where 5 years from now like the i don't know pick your number 80 to 150,000 msps worldwide go to half of that i mean do you see that happening or is that grossly overestimated
1: it's probably overestimated a bit I, in my my opinion you know but i think that you're definitely seeing a lot of MA, right? I mean, at the end of the day, managed services becomes more and more profitable as you add scale, right? You add more customers onto standard processes, you, you make more money, right? So we're seeing an awful lot of, of companies kind of trying to buy up, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, smaller MSPs to form one big one. Um, the good news is that when they have standardized platforms, like, oh, they all run this PSA or they all run this cloud marketplace, they all, you know, things like that make it a lot easier to then integrate those types of things. So we're seeing kind of these super MSPs pop up. When I look at the higher end, like you mentioned, some of the vendors kind of becoming service providers, I think a lot of them are either servicing enterprise or they're they're partnering and trying to deliver services through MSPs in that shared service model. So I don't see that as competitive as much. I think some of the super MSPs I mentioned might be a bit more competitive in that space. But the one thing I hear loud and clear every day is that nobody has the reach down to the smb market which is where everybody at the top is trying to get to i mean the community that you work with george and you know all the circles i run around with at comptia Connectwise, data whoever all these events right that we get involved with as communities they they all kind of serve that smb market like call it sub 250 seat users mm-hmm. nobody else can reach it like this community so you know that that's that's worth hanging your hat on
0: no it's good to know and you know <laughs> as much as we've seen like the the Dells of the world say, Hey, of services. And I'm like, I don't know if I've ever run into anyone that said they had a really good experience doing that, but I digress. doesn't mean they're not going to try. Right. Uh, and for that matter, I feel like the telco companies and the internet providers have turned into security companies all of a sudden. I, I, I don't know exactly how that works other than they took a connectivity product and bolted something on. And now you know, like here in Philly where Comcast is like, you know, headquartered, you know, all of a sudden Comcast is like, oh, Security Edge. And I'm like, you're a cable company. What do you mean Security Edge? I'm not sure I follow.
1: Well, you know, there's there's probably clients that want to consume that way. They might be more upmarket, you know, but they're basically saying, I don't want any help or support or ongoing. So I just want to buy something. Okay. I think the market's grown at a point where there's enough available market for everybody. Right. And I think that, you know, in my mind, the MSPs that we love to work with are the ones that are playing the consultant and solving business problems and, you know, helping with business outcomes and things like that. I don't think all due respect Comcast is going to play in that game. Right. Or some of the others that are out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, they'll surely sell you something and then you might not hear from them again, but they'll sell it to
1: you. The Uh, market's still growing at what 24% growth every year compound. I mean, so it's going up so big that, if someone else wants to step in and grab a little piece. Okay. Maybe, maybe nobody on this call or this community is going to be a billion dollar MSP. Right. I mean, like, like we really had that expectation anyway. I mean, great. Be a good, you know, five, 10, $50 million MSP and and, and go kill it. Right. You can make a lot of money and, and, and do a great job.
0: hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, are you starting <clears throat> to see, I mean, I am, but I want, I'm curious if you're seeing it, MSPs in different even time zones, could be even in different countries are like kind of, I'm not gonna say merging, right? Like the entities are still separate, but they're kind of partnering with each other to deliver different services, maybe because they don't have all the complement in house, right? Um, I probably see that now more than ever. Uh, Do do you, you see that being successful or is that complicated?
1: You know, I definitely have seen more of that, right? And that, that scenario sometimes will we'll be asked to come in and play that, you know, they've got a single customer, maybe a small group that has multi-time zones or, you know, covers a wider area and they need someone to help with that. Uh, sometimes we partner them up with other MSPs. Like, we're, you know, we're happy to go and play that role. Um, you know, I think as long as the, the terms and conditions are kind of agreed upon, you know, ahead of time, right. I think those can be pretty successful. I think that's part of the reason what's also driving these, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the larger uh, regional MSPs that we talked about too, where they're kind of acquiring people is to get that type of scale to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's definitely part of the agenda. I think the problem with the the larger super MSPs is as they're buying uh, MSPs in specific markets, kind of lose the personalization of it. Right. You know, like they try and centralize their services and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel as, you know, kind of, Home market anymore? Do you have you heard that?
1: Agreed. I mean, I think uh, again, it depends on you. know, If you look, it starts with the end user, right? And and they're the ones that decide what type of experience they want with an MSP. And some of them want someone that they you know side by side with, and call their cell phone and work with that. And maybe you're not going to get that if you're working with a, you know a, a more regional or, or or larger MSP like that, right? So um, you know, I think it's important that in general MSPs decide who they want to be you know, what type of experience you want to create for their customer, right? And try to stay to some extent within the box that they drew for themselves um, and and know that there's a market for it, right? Be, a, be differentiated, do something different and call that out and be proud of it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's actually pretty good advice. Um, curious, like moving forward, right? Do you see, you know, can you, do you imagine like a cloud only MSP, meaning like, hey, we're only delivering a subscription-based service. Go buy your hardware from anywhere and just sign in. Like, is that a real picture or is that just an idea that's not, you know, really doesn't come together?
1: Oh, no, they're definitely already out there. There's people that have chosen that model, right? Um, and, and there's a market for that, right? I think, you know, I'm just, you know, just spitballing here, but you're, you're basically to say, I'm going to compete on price and have a great, you know, uh, e-commerce experience, you be able to manage those subscriptions, right? you better be really good at that stuff if you're going to say it's kind of hands-off. Whereas if you're going to be able to handle a wider solution, I think you've got some more flexibility for how you deliver it and things like that, and, you know, and package that up for your customer. But no, there's already absolutely kind of these mega cloud MSP. I don't know if I call them an MSP anymore, but cloud providers where you can aggregate and get different, uh, you know, different pieces of, uh, of SaaS products and things like that.
0: hundred percent. I'm gonna bring this up to everybody until they decide to change your mind and maybe they never will. So Frontier Airlines deleted their phone number. I'm probably not a Frontier guy. Who's your favorite airline? Delta, right? Or something like I'm that. I'm a bit
1: of a Southwest guy actually, okay. uh, despite what happened over the holidays, but yeah. <laughs>
0: they say they're gonna spend a billion dollars. I don't know over what time period, but to fix their IT systems. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Obviously not, not if I was somebody that was stuck for a week, but I digress. I fly Southwest a fair bit myself. I just don't understand that model, right? I appreciate people want to, you know, communicate on their own channels, but why delete the phone number? Usually people are calling if they actually have a legitimate problem and need to talk to someone. I mean, could you imagine an MSP doing that?
1: Not in the world that I think we work in a lot, right? But I mean, I, I don't know about you, but even just in my personal life, you go to websites, look at some business and half the time there's not phone numbers or addresses. Like I kind of don't know where somebody is too, right? I don't, I don't know why, but... You know, and you don't find that type of thing. So I'm not shocked that Frontier would do that. But again, I think you're choosing to to create a customer experience that's different, you know, and, and some customers will hate that, right? It sounds like you're not a big fan of it. I don't disagree with you. I want a phone number every once in a while. I got to call someone, right? Um, you know, so I think it's, it's about the experience you want to create. But you know, every decision has a, 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 you know, a a consequence, a good thing, a bad thing that might come with it, right? You save some money, right? You don't have to staff that. The bad thing is you might lose some customers.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like not long after that, like within the same 30 day window, they announced like an unlimited monthly flight, like program, right? Like a flat fee. I know they weren't the first one to come out with that, but like they pushed that out there and I was like, huh, for 500 bucks a month, I could do unlimited flights. Then I can't call them when I can't, when there's a problem. So i don't know if i like that uh bruce popped in and said try calling google for help
1: <laughs> there's uh there's jokes that remain somewhere yeah i think uh you could put, put any vendor name in there you want right
0: <laughs> yeah facebook
1: google that's, i mean hey all can decide, bruce i mean that's why msps exist right because the end client has the same challenge trying to call google or microsoft or Cisco or hp or pick your vendor it doesn't matter yeah, that's where you come in and you've got expertise and maybe some back channels into them when, when they need to get support uh, that has to be provided by the vendor too. So. so maybe
0: we want the big companies to delete their phone numbers so that nobody can get a hold of them and they have to have call an MSP. That could be something.
1: That's the 2023 strategy, George. We gotta go champion this thing. Convince I like that all the vendors Let's, to get rid of phone numbers. Delete yeah.
0: your phone number. Go to Google and like so when you type in Goog- Google support phone number, nothing comes up. Exactly. Um, no offense, but Microsoft supports not super either. I mean, even well, that, yeah. You know, somebody who's like worked in the MSP trench, I call it mm-hmm. like, I you know, they're like, Hey, put in a ticket. You know, I know they have people all over this, all over the world. It's not all sunshine and rainbows there either.
1: It's on purpose. I mean, that, that the CSP program, when it came out, you know, it really shifted the burden to people like DNH, Right. So we, we take those calls now and that's by design, you know, they want MSPs to pick, you know, Pick an indirect provider or distributor, whatever you want to call it. They want them to align based on the experience that they have. We got to compete for that every day. And part of that experience is the support that's provided, right? We're really proud of the support we've got. We've got a, you know, our our support desk is based in Chicago. So you're not calling, you know, somewhere else, right? Chicago's pretty much American, right? So just kidding. I love Chicago. I mean, it's
0: in the center,
1: that's for sure. But right. So that's part of the experience you create and everyone makes decisions. Others say I'm going to do it over here because it's more cost effective and I'll pass along a, a different price model. So hmm. all part of the levers we pull is we, we frame out our business decisions.
0: So, so there you go, guys. It's on purpose. He just told you this is actually their plan. <laughs> okay, now I guess it makes more sense. Okay, I got it now. Uh, what are you most excited about, you know, between now and the end of the year? I know that, like, you know, there's a lot of time between then and now. Although time flies by when you're having fun, as they say, or if you're trying to get to a Super Bowl and then lose. But uh, what what are you most excited about in the technology industry that you think will happen between now and the end of the year?
1: Wow, um, two things that I, I'm working on a lot right now with our teams and, and our partners. Uh, number one is that I think cloud is truly becoming hybrid. Uh, more than ever, right? It always kind of was, but it's becoming an easier hybrid. And what I mean by that is that I'm excited about what we're doing with HPE GreenLake and some of the programs that are going to be coming out and moving more into the market that we serve collectively, right? Yeah, all of us here together. Same with like Lenovo and TrueScale, right? Uh, I think you're going to see some great solutions that complement, integrate with public cloud like Azure and AWS, and even on-premise stuff. So stay sure. tuned. Whether it's all this year, I don't know. It's it's a it's a journey, but it's coming. And second, as we kind of touched on already, is the CX models. I think that if we as a channel can demonstrate value around uh, helping to drive adoption, additional consumption, and better business outcomes through some of these products, the vendors will reward us. And and they're already starting to shape up those types of models and programs. We're investing in people to help partners with their CX journey and, and, and planning process. And I'm seeing good MSPs start to do the same thing downstream. Uh, that's going to be a, a game changer in a couple of years from now, right? As more and more stuff has moved to consumption-based technology.
0: No, it's. I mean, that's two pretty cool areas, to be honest, right? Because, you know, you put all your eggs in one, one cloud environment. Well, we already know what that looks like. Everybody has a problem at some point to so like kind of mesh your environment to fit you. And then, yeah, there, there's something to that to that other program that you mentioned. I just still don't think the majority of people out there and running service provider businesses have any clue how much money is in those programs. Really it's
1: huge, It's huge. It's
0: almost like a bank account that you're not, you didn't even know about, right? You just stumbled upon it. You're like, Oh, let me get the card to that one. Um, it's going
1: to get bigger and it's going to become, and some, some vendors will make that a, a requirement in order to be certified at all and even sell their solutions. I mean, that's where it's going to go. Not, not tomorrow, but over time, right over the next several years, so I think you know having a plan around CX is really important for MSPs.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Jason, always interesting. Do you do you think the bills look? What, what's what's your outcome for the year? What's your prediction?
1: Wow, you know, last year I was so much more optimistic. This year I feel like we've taken a little step back in the AFC. When I look at Kansas City still being great, Cincinnati and some of the other AFC teams and you know even some of those rivals like miami you know san diego they're on the, they're going to come on the upswing like that so i don't know what about the nfc george how are the eagles going to be back i feel it? like
0: the nfc i feel like the nfc is weak aaron Rodgers went to the jets so you got another guy in your division right and then like so you got the niners right i think the rams are still deflated i still i think seattle's still deflated to the west it's the rams you know in, in the North, right? I guess Detroit's the up and comer, right? But like, they still got some ways to go. The NFC East, well, we thought it was the worst division in football. It turned out not to be the case last year, but I think it's just, you know, not as aggressive as the AFC. And then on the South side, I mean, Tom Brady's gone. Maybe. Does he come back? I don't know. I hope. Maybe he maybe he ends up in San Francisco. Who knows? But he's retired. And then like the Saints pick up their car who knows how that experiment's going to work, but they surely paid him very well. Um, and Carolina's rebuilding. So I feel like the AFC, like all of a sudden, they push like all their chips in the NFL went into that conference. And then like over here, it's not not as hard.
1: Every year there seems to be some kind of parody and some kind of surprises that pop up. So time will tell. Hopefully uh, it's like an exciting free agent period here.
0: Yeah. Well, the Super Bowl is in Vegas this season. So
1: that will be interesting.
0: I think so. Vegas of all places. I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, look to see out on the road. I'm sure we're gonna bump into each other. Um, curious to see how all of these programs flush out through the rest of the year at DNH. Where do people find out more about your department, your team, your program? Where do MSPs find more information about all things DNH?
1: Well, DNH.com's got a lot. You can click on modern solutions to learn more. You can email modern solutions at dnh.com or email me at jbystrak at dnh.com. Whatever floats your boat. I'll give you my phone number too. 716-908-3620. We are not Frontier Airlines. We absolutely will hand out phone numbers. We'll communicate based on the way you want to talk. How about that? Uh,
0: by the way, I have a trend now. Like I've had several people on this, this podcast who are literally giving out their phone numbers. I was shocked. Like, David Bellini, right? He's down at CyberFox now. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, if you want to call me, here's my cell phone number. I was like, wow, this is crazy.
1: So like you're following the trends. I'm glad to hear it. I don't don't want to be the trend center. I want to be the guy that's following the trends. So
0: no, right on. Appreciate your time, Jason. Thanks everyone for watching this. By the way, if you didn't write down Jason's phone number, it was recorded and we're going to post that online on mspinitiative.com. And you can obviously see that this session and every other session we've ever done there. Keep coming back Tuesdays, Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. And trust me, there's parties coming, there's events coming, there's cool stuff coming for the community. This is not, it's actually the kind of stuff we like to do, right? In between the day job, planning that stuff, although I'm bald, so maybe that'll tell you how hard it is.
1: <laughs> George, Thank always you. a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to do it again. We'll see you on the road. You got it, my friend. Have a good one. Take care.